0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Hey, Desi.
1: What's up? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll do Patreon. Yeah. So we have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Over there, we have a lot of bonus content that you can only get on Patreon, as well as ad-free episodes of our main and mini, ap- mini shows. Uh, This week we had a lot of people Joining up So we're going to give them a nice shout out Yeah Uh, And this week we had Kirsten Raven Dina Diana Emily Lynn Meredith Kelsey Teal Holly May Laura Sierra Catherine Elena Melanie Jane The other Ooh (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, Samantha, and Scott.
0: Thank, Thank you, you all. guys. Thank you so much. Where we last left off last week. Okay, let me... Where imp- did wait, we leave off? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is part three of Alan Zamova, the final chapter. The final <laughs> chapter. <laughs> wow. Um, well, I wanted everyone to know that this... This is the last episode. This is the last episode in this series. Uh, Okay, where did we leave off last week? It was October of 1919, and we picture this. We're Mm -hmm. in Venice Beach at the Ship Cafe. Right. And Allah is like, how dare Valentino come up and talk to me? Yeah. Get that gigolo away from me. Mm. She doesn't want anything to do with it. She doesn't (laughs) want anything. They have like an alleged beef. Yes. So that's where we last left off. And I I mentioned a little teaser that they would go on to work together very very soon after that. Look, work is work. (laughs) Work is work. My main source for this episode is the book Nazimova by Gavin Lambert, and I also used a lot of old newspaper articles. Let's get into it. In 1920, Ala Nazimova met film projectionalist Sam Zimbalist at Metro's New York offices. She brought him back with her to Los Angeles to work for her as an assistant editor on her films. She also began an affair with him. Ooh. She was nearly 41 years old at the time, and he was 19. Damn, girl. Sam was a big fan of Allah's, so this was like really cool for him. Yeah. He's like this hot older lady. Yeah. Who's this like She's going to show him the ropes. Actress who got me a gig working in Hollywood, and she wants to fuck me. She's like, I play 12-year-old, so technically (laughs) (laughs) I'm younger. (laughs) Exactly. Sam uh, worked on a film with Allah. The first one they did was called Heart of a Child, and it (laughs) starred... (laughs) yes. This film starred Ala as a scheming lower-class British girl who sleeps around to get ahead. <gasps> Ooh! So See, when, she plays every role I would want. <laughs> <laughs> she plays the best roles. She have, in this movie she eventually meets a wealthy man who was played by her husband Charles Bryant, of course. Oh yeah, because they're still making movies together. Look, she she's good to her hookups. <laughs> As far as giving them roles go. I mean, she really broke Charles Bryant into the biz. Yeah. He wouldn't be anywhere without her. He's in
1: like hundreds of movies because of her. Because
0: of her. He put, she just puts him in all of her movies. Yeah, And this is back in the day where these actors were doing like a hundred movies a year because they're short. Like Right. Yeah. They're these short little silent films. So they're doing all these like back to back movies. That same year, Alla got to work bringing an adaptation of the play Aphrodite to the screen. Alla wanted to stay more faithful to the novel of the same name, which was written by Pierre Louise, on, in which the play was based. The novel was much dirtier than the play's adaptation, and Alla wanted to reflect that in the film. Ooh. She's like, they cleaned the play up. Yeah. We're going to go back to the original novel. We're eating ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's nineteen twenty. we should be eating ass. Yeah. And showing it on film.
1: Why are we cutting this out? Because I could make a great reaction face to that. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> He's like a silent. can you just picture the face of with her the, with the eyebrows? Where he kind of like goes a little to the nether regions. <laughs> we just see her face with a delighted surprise. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. And it's kind of sped up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, like I said, the novel was much dirtier than the play, and Ala wanted to reflect that. And Ala, of course, wanted to up the ante herself. She wanted to even, like, make elevate it. Yeah. In terms of elevating the dirtiness. Nice. Her film would include graphic violence, an orgy scene, and lesbian themes. Ooh. She wanted June Mathis to write the script, obviously. yes. Alla enlisted Russian ballet dancer turned costume designer Theodore Kozlov to do the costumes. At the time, Theodore was in a relationship with fellow costume designer and actress Natasha Rambova. Theodore had Natasha deliver his costume sketches to Alla. But when Natasha showed the sketches to Allah, she revealed that the designs were actually her own. Ooh. She had had it with her lover and was annoyed that he was trying to pass off her work as his own. So she's like, you know what? I did that. I actually did this. And Allah was like, oh, really? So Allah hired 23-year-old Natasha to work on the film instead. Natasha and Allah subsequently began their own sexual relationship. That's why she believed.
1: Her. <laughs> She's like, oh really? <laughs> why don't
0: you show me your designs later tonight? <laughs> Fun fact about Natasha Rambova, she wasn't Russian. She was a Mormon from Utah. Wow. She was born Winifred Kimball Shaughnessy. So she had some Irish in her as well. Yeah. She was inspired by ballet dancer Anna Pavlova to adopt her Russian sounding stage name while she was studying ballet. She met Theodore Kozlov while training under him, and they began having an affair when she was 17 and he was 32. Natasha's mom found out and threatened to go to the police and have him arrested for rape. But Natasha and Theodore absconded to England, where they stayed there for six months. Natasha finally returned to the States after she made her mom promise she wouldn't have her lover arrested. Natasha told her mother that her relationship with Theodore was over, but that was a lie, and she continued to see him. By this time, by the time she met Allah, Natasha had grown tired of feeling controlled by Theodore and was desperately looking for a way out. Following her confession to Allah, Natasha made her attempt to break free of Theodore for good. He was furious and fired a bullet into her leg. What? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Um,
1: The only thing I can think of is that's rude, but it's obviously like, what the hell?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's really fucked up. So he fires a bullet into her leg. She jumps out of a window to escape him. Into a cab that was waiting downstairs below. Well, that she had, was like good. <laughs> it was really lucky because she had actually previously already could call in for a cab. Right. Like called for so a cab. So that was good timing. Yeah. So then he shoots her. The cab's fortunately just arrived. She jumps out the window into this cab. She's like, drive me to the set of Aphrodite. And when she gets to the site of Aphrodite, the camera operator, Paul Ivano, who's Valentino's friend, removed the bullet from her leg. What? It's crazy. <laughs> I guess she didn't go to a hospital. Yeah. But unfortunately for Alla and everyone else on the set of Aphrodite, production was shut down due to censorship laws. <gasps> this was too dirty of a movie. Allah Natasha and June's film was deemed too violent and too sexual for the public. Ala, of course, was pissed off and heartbroken. Natasha would later marry Rudolph Valentino. As for Alla, she started hooking up with Valentino's friend, 20-year-old Paul Ivano.
1: Wait, this is the second girlfriend she's had that fucked Valentino.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, because that seems pretty crazy, It's the second time. Around this time they're all working on the 1921 film Camille. So there's no hard feelings right. between the four of these people. Now, whatever may or may not have gone down at the ship cafe between Alla and Valentino was over because he was now a regular at her dinner parties. They were close enough that Valentino even let Alla pluck his eyebrows. Camille opened in New York in September of 1921. Alla was decked out in a glamorous cloak, and the New York Daily News said that she had, quote, black hair polished to glossiness of a fine ebony, and eyebrows plucked to an angle of astonishment, slim in flame-colored velvet and gold. Alla told another reporter, I am to play a boy in my next picture. Camille received mixed reviews and was not a box office smash. The film was sort of this avant-garde art movie mm-hmm. and Natasha's art direction reflected a very German expressionist feel. Following the release of Camille, Alla's contract with Metro ended according to Metro, they let her go. And according to Allah, that was all her decision. Allah felt that her artistic visions were being limited at the studio. She told the press that Metro had refused to make an adaptation of a doll's house. Metro responded by printing pieces in movie magazines, saying that Ala was difficult to work with and very controlling on set. Ala, of course, had grown used to acting as sort of a jack-of-all-trades on these sets, not just wanting to do the acting, but also wanting to direct. Mm-hmm. And they didn't like that because she was, she was very particular about, about the work that right. she did. These attack pieces also claimed that Alla and Natasha saw psychics together and made reference to her, to the all girl pool parties that Allah had at her house. (laughs) So like not professional criticisms, but sort of digs at her personal life to sort of just embarrass her, I guess. Gavin Lambert says in his book, Nazimova, it was the start of a campaign against a woman who the Hollywood male establishment decided had grown too powerful and commercially at least too successful. Only three of Nazimova's 11 films for Metro lost money, and several were among the studio's most profitable. Alla wound up producing and financing her next two films, which were A Doll's House and Salome. Charles Bryant was even hired to direct A Doll's House. Alla wrote the script under the pseudonym Peter M. Winters, and she starred as Nora. Cameraman Charles Van Anger worked his soft-focus magic to make 42-year-old Ala appear much younger in the film. This film received positive reviews, but was not a box office success, which was mm. too bad because she financed this whole thing since she wasn't at a studio anymore. Alla next began production on Salome, which was an adaptation of the Oscar Wilde play. Alla starred in the title role and once again played much younger. I mean much younger. Salome <laughs> was supposed to be four, 14. Whoa. And is like... More Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> and Alla is 42 at this point. Okay. So it's a stretch. It's a bit, Even if you're five feet tall. <laughs> even if... It, yeah, she was like 5'3 and like a cut, pretty p- like petite woman. But,
1: but it's still. definitely
0: a stretch. Yeah. Charles Bryant directed, and Natasha Rambova wrote the screenplay and did the costumes. Salome was a longtime dream role for Alla. She said in an interview, Salome was willing and eager to give all, but her love was repudiated scornfully. Since she could not rule, she was impelled to ruin the life that might have saved her. This highly stylized film was wildly expensive to make, it cost $350,000, wow. and this was like all coming out of his' pocket. Natasha spared no expense on the film's avant-garde costumes, importing fabrics from Paris. The story goes that the cast of Salome is comprised of all queer actors. An extra who was in the film later said, some of the cast were gay and some of the extras as well, but there's nothing surprising or unusual about that. During filming, Charles had moved out of the home on Sunset that he shared with Alla and into the Hollywood Athletic Club. Alla, at the time, was still having her affair with 20-year-old Paul Ivanov. Following production, Charles just moved back to New York. Alla struggled to find distribution for Salome, and it was eventually given a limited release in 1923 by a small distribution company. Though praised for its artistry, it was ultimately a commercial flop, which was a pity because Alla sunk hundreds of thousands of dollars of her own money to make this film. Damn. The second time she did that. Yeah. Alla needed a change. That same year, she returned to the theater and to New York to star in the play Dagmar. Charles Bryant produced and starred as well. Meanwhile, Alla began setting the ball in motion to finally officially divorce Sergey, her husband from <laughs> Russia, once and for all.
1: Yeah. Ah, I guess I'll get to that now. <laughs> like, they got married in, like, 1899 or
0: something. Yeah.
1: You gotta get divorced if you got married, like, the last century- and you've been putting it
0: off. <laughs> right. Like, if there's yeah. Yeah, if there's been it's a new millennium. Yeah. You should That's just like, do it. Come on. Or of century. Yeah. I guess that yeah. I don't know. Don't email <laughs> <laughs> her plan was to actually divorce Sergey, but she was gonna tell the public that she divorced her husband, Charles, instead. Okay. So even though her and Charles weren't legally married She's going to be like, I'm getting divorced from Charles. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, we're, it, we were never legally married, exactly. And decide that once she was officially divorced from Sergey and unofficially divorced from Charles, but telling the press that that's who she divorced, she could just be single once and for all, right? And just do her own thing. So this play, Dagmar, opened up at opened at the Selwyn Theater in Manhattan to less than stellar reviews. The Wall Street Journal said, "Dagmar doesn't leave a pleasant aftertaste and is likely to please best those who like their theatrical entertainment gamey." Gamey. He called her. <laughs> he called the performance gamey. That's weird uh, adjective for that. This that just s- makes me think of like venison. In, <laughs> or something like I bet this journalist was a food writer before he was an entertainment critic. Yeah. So he doesn't know how to describe movies or plays. The, yeah. He's, but it doesn't <laughs> it definitely seems like it's not a compliment. No. He went on to say unless her performance improves, it will not add to Nazimova's artistic reputation and may lessen the large following she has gained in the movies. Hmm. When the eight-week run of Dagmar ended, Alla and Charles returned to Hollywood to resume their film careers. But it wasn't looking so good for either of them. Charles soon returned to New York and then to England, which honestly was fine for Alla. Her divorce from Sergei became finalized in May of that year. Alla wrote in a letter to her former lover, Eva, All I want to do is sleep, doze, lie around, and kiss. Later that summer, it was back to the theater as all starred in the play, Collusion. It opened in San Francisco at the Orpheum in August of 1923, before it went on tour. At this time, she got back together with Sam Zimbalist, who was now acting as her stage manager. During the tour, Allah's outspokenness about the criminal, criminalization of sex work affecting women and not men got her into trouble with a local conservative Denver paper who proceeded to fearmonger over her feminist rhetoric and cited her comments as evidence of the rise of communism. Hmm. By the time Alla's play got to New York in late October... It was protested by Catholic groups who deemed it wicked and worldly and not in line with good Christian family values. The dream. That's the best (laughs) criticism. But unfortunately, this play was canceled after two performances because of the pressure. Mm. And it was also pulled from its Philly and D.C. runs because of these groups. They still exist, those groups. Yeah, that Catholic League guy. This is literally a hundred years ago that this happened. They're always out there. They're still there today. Um, At least they still paid Allah. That's good. Even though those performances were canceled. But Allah had still lost a considerable amount of money financing a doll's house and Salome and was concerned that she wouldn't be able to keep her home. Yeah, She attempted to sell but couldn't get an offer. Charles urged her to mortgage it, but Alla ultimately decided against it. Instead, she decided to spend $30,000 of her theater earnings building a new smaller house on the property of the Garden of Alla. By this time, the press was wondering why Charles and Alla didn't seem to be living together anymore. And they start snooping around like, are you guys getting a divorce? So she didn't announce that they were divorced yet or getting a divorce? No, she didn't announce that yet. Alla's next two films, Madonna of the Streets and The Redeeming Sin, perform poorly and pay her much less than she was making with Metro. During the filming of her next movie called My Son, Alla had become depressed and was feeling quite lost. But fortunately, the reviews for My Son were great and Alla's performance was praised. Around this time, Charles sent a letter to Alla asking her to sign something. The document in question was in regards to their taxes. The paper stated that Allah agreed to pay both of their taxes. When they got fake married, Charles filed joint tax returns ever since, even though they weren't legally married. But he was filing these tax returns like they were. He was now concerned that the IRS would go poking around after they got their fake divorce to sort of find out, I, I guess, whatever. For whatever reason, Alla decides to sign this paper that she had agreed to pay. Whatever he owed. Yes. Meanwhile, he's living in her Manhattan apartment that she still owns. Gavin Lambert, the author of the book, posits that it's possible she was afraid of Charles exposing her longtime affairs with both men and women and and their sham marriage in general. So she just kind of placated him and went along with it. That same year, Alla traveled to Paris for the summer where she spent extravagantly and partied all night. She met a wealthy couple on the ship ride over from New York and spent the night with them in a fabulous brothel. She met up with her former lovers, Mercedes D'Acosta and Eva, who were at the time themselves in a relationship with each other. Alla celebrated her 46th birthday in June, and Paul Ivano had roses sent to her hotel. During her stay in Paris, Alla met Oscar Wilde's niece, Dolly, and they entered into a brief affair. After returning to the States in August of 1925, Alla and Charles made headlines for their divorce announcement. The New York Daily News said, Their friends were slow to believe. They did not want to believe, for they had been turning to Nazimova's romance to prove that a woman of colorful personality and a man of strong individuality can be happily married. In November of 1925, Charles Bryant married a 23-year-old woman named Marjorie Galouli in her hometown of New Milford, Connecticut. My headcanon says that this is Jeff Galluli's (laughs) great-great-grandmother. Great grandma. She would go on to become Jeff Galooli's great great grandmother, right? <laughs> yeah, because that's a very Galooli. Un- I don't think a lot of people are named Galooli. Yeah, I don't. I should do genealogy on this. Yeah,
1: very so important
0: stuff. He <laughs> Charles gets married for real to this woman, Marjorie Galooli, the Hartford Current. Current. <laughs> Courant. 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 i said it very french yes. the, the Hart- Hartford <laughs> the the hartford newspaper headline read divorced husband of nazimova weds but it was soon discovered that charles had declared himself single on his marriage license instead of divorced Oh. And so an investigation was launched into whether or not Charles and Allah were ever actually married in the Based first place. Face
1: on the People had nothing else to do. Like <laughs> this, this
0: then? Cuz that seems like an error people might make, right? Like, oh no, they launched an investigation. That's crazy. Charles had a warrant out for his arrest. Oh my god. The press went nuts obviously once this leaked. A November 26th headline in the New York Daily News read, Was Nazimova's husband her husband? Or was he simply Chaz E. Bryant? The article begins, Was Alla Nazimova the exotic Alla of the stage and screen married to Charles E. Bryant? Or wasn't she? Broadway would like to know. Would they? That's what is said. (laughs) Broadway Broadway would like to know. I'd
1: love to think that there's some people during this period who are truly outraged at this news. Like, can you imagine even caring?
0: Dickies are rolling up. (laughs) What? (laughs) Women are fainting. Bow ties are spinning. It's crazy. It's chaos right now. By the time of this article, Charles and his new wife were away on their honeymoon. So I don't know when he got the news that he's like... It was like two years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long the boat ride was. <laughs> the article noted that before Allah's trip to Paris, she had applied for U.S. citizenship and marked divorce, even though that was before the divorce announcements. So they're like, hmm. I can't believe someone's paying attention to that closely to this stuff. They're very nosy. Charles at the risk of being charged with perjury from the Connecticut D.A., had his lawyer send an affidavit swearing that he was telling the truth on his marriage license. Okay.
1: Allah was. Why why didn't he just say, I had a dumb bitch moment? See? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, it's a mistake. Mm. I wasn't lying.
0: It's a mistake. Right. It seems like an easy mistake you could make. I think it just snowballed because he had this... Uh, high profile divorce and marriage from Allah. Yeah. So they're like, maybe he. I mean, it's just them. I think the thing
1: is, back then, divorce <laughs> was such a big news story. <laughs> right. Like, like
0: now it's like, oh, who cares? Like, right. uh, it's not, it's just not a big deal. Um. So they took this very seriously. Allah was left humiliated by all of this. And she was forced to admit publicly that no, they were never married to one another. Olga revealed that the only divorce she had gotten was to her husband Sergey back in Russia, who the press didn't even know about at that point. They're like, "Oh, you were, you did get divorced to who? Who's Sergey? Yeah, and then he came out of the hello, (laughs) I'm (laughs)
1: Sergey." he's actually the guy who did the investigation right he took off his monocle
0: right (laughs) and he pulls out a cigarette i love that yeah that's Uh in my movie he's french all of a sudden yeah um i love it alla told a reporter about charles he spoke the truth when he made an oath at new milford connecticut and that he was a single man like she was like Saving his ass because he was about to get arrested for perjury. Crazy. She continued, All that has happened since Bryant married the other day has greatly hurt me. I have been living at the top of a volcano. I am worried to death. For the last several days, I have been hunted like an animal in the woods. And she's referring to the hounding of the press. She's dramatic. Uh, And she's very dramatic. (laughs) But she was being hounded by the press. Allah made clear to the press that she was happy for Charles and his new wife, but in private, she was seething. Not just this, but in thinking about all of the money of hers that he had spent over the years. Oh, uh, no, I don't. I hate Charles. Also,
1: why'd you have to get married to 20? Isn't he like even older than her? He's 45. He's like the same age as Allah. Right. It's like, and wasn't he most likely
0: gay? Allegedly, yeah, they think they so he's just picking up another beard, like this his marriage to Marjorie Galuli was also considered a lavender marriage, yeah, so but did did she have money like what <laughs> what's he doing here? I have no idea, but Allah is like just this sort of set off this chain of like just. All these resentments against Charles. Oh, totally. Just thinking of like the last 12 years. Well, she's given him everything. She did give him everything. And he's done nothing but cause her pain. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great place to take a quick break. Okay. Okay. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? The following year, Allah was offered the part in a play called the Shanghai jester playing the part of mother goddamn. She responded by saying, I am sorry. It is a good play, but I could not stand up there on the stage and let them call me mother goddamn. (laughs) I would like to, but I could not, even though she's like financially struggling right now, she's not taken. She doesn't want to be called that on the stage. Wow. She's like, I don't want to do play. That's my character's name.
1: No. And they didn't change it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think she just thought it was stupid. Yeah. Um, she did agree to do a two-month engagement on the vaudeville circuit. Because that was like guaranteed income. She returned to Hollywood that summer where her friend and business manager, Gene Adams, offered her a solution to her problems. turn the Garden of Allah into a hotel. Alla gave Jean power of attorney over the property in exchange for a 99-year lease and guaranteed annual payment of $14,500, as well as 50% of the hotel's proceeds. The home was converted into 25 units for guests and long-term residents. This was a setup similar to that of the Chateau Marmont. Allah said at the time that Jean was, quote, "...a messenger from heaven." And because of this emotional nature of mine, I grasped at her proposition without consulting anyone else. Alla grew concerned though when Jean sprung upon her that she needed to pony up $30,000 to renovate the property. And is like, I did this deal because I have no money. Yeah. I gave you power of attorney to like make this a hotel because I'm like broke. Yeah. But she's like, we need $30,000 for some expenses. And Allah was like, Jesus Christ. And then at that moment, Jean burst into tears and revealed to Allah that she herself wasn't legally married to her allegedly wealthy husband. And in fact, her husband, in quotes, owed a lot of money in back taxes. Oh, no. So she wasn't as like... She's like, I can't do it. I can't pick it up. I lied. (laughs) Yeah. I actually don't have all this financial backing. So oh I God. need you to find $30,000 to make this work. So Allah wound up going back on the vaudeville circuit again to make more cash to raise this capital. Upon returning to Hollywood in January of 1927, Alla moved into Bungalow 24 of the hotel with fellow actress Isabel Hill, who she had met while she was on tour, and they, of course, began having an affair. Yeah. The hotel's grand opening occurred soon after on January 9th, and it was obviously a star-studded affair. Many years later, a writer for the LA Times who was in attendance would describe it as, "...there was joy afoot, caviar at hand, and bubbles in the air, for 18 hours. By midnight, the waiters were harmonizing with the guests, and wandering troubadours played madrigals from the middle of the pool." A few weeks later, Alla would go on tour again, performing in the play, Woman of the Earth. While in Boston, Jean Adams contacted Allah, asking her to wire her $10,000 more. But Allah was like, I don't even have that in the yeah. bank. I can't get that to you. I can son- send you some money, yeah. but I can't get you that. And Jean was like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just send me what you have. So Allah sends her like $2,500. And she was like, just sell, just sell this property I have in West Hollywood on Orlando to make up the difference. So Jean did that. Jean told Alla that she would soon pay her her promised salary for the hotel by June of that year, which was coming up. Ahead of the London leg of her tour, Alla went to see her old flame Eve in the play Cradle Song. It was there that she met 19-year-old Glesha Marshall, who was a fan of Allah's and had gone to the play in hopes of seeing her. she did see Allah, but the two did not meet yet. I said they met they didn't meet that night. OK but this, this woman, Glasha, goes to the play like just she goes with, there to try to meet her. Just trying to meet Allah. Allah left for London in May of 1927, and she received a standing ovation during her performance at the Coliseum on op- opening night next. Alla traveled with Paul Ivano to Paris. She must have been tiring of him by this point as evidenced by the notes she made in her diary. Next to Paul's name she wrote, boring and... <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Exclamation point! I don't know why that's like the meanest insult. <laughs> it's so mean. He's like the twenty-something friend of Valentino, but she's been with him for a while, and she's, she's just now just like she's <laughs> she's hated him this whole time. <laughs> she's been with him for a while now. Yeah, he must be like twenty-four or twenty-three, and she's finally just gotten sick of this boring. guy. Boring, boring. <laughs> and she also wrote next to his name, "When will it ever end?" <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jean Adams still had not wired all of the money, and she Uh-oh. was supposed to send it to Paris now. Jean swore she sent the money, but it never appeared in all his account. <laughs> wow. Jean blamed the banks. She said, you know those banks. Look, I've, we've heard this excuse before in our shows. <laughs> <laughs> we've done several cases where right. the, this is the excuse. Alla returned to New York in August. She sent a telegram to Jean asking where the fuck her money was. This time, she was really out of patience. Jean wrote back saying that she would deliver the money herself in September. But Jean never arrived in New York, so Alla had no other choice but to go back on the vaudeville circuit to generate quick cash. <laughs> I mean, luckily she had that. It, luckily she had these opportunities. She was fucking pissed though. Yeah. After those performances, Alla arrived back in New York in November and she was prescribed sedatives by a doctor. To deal with Gene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, they were, she was so annoyed and stressed out. She was just not in a good place. Jean called saying that she was in New York and that she had found an investor who would help expand the hotel, but she needed an additional $25,000 investment from Allah first. (sighs) Alla was weary but still believed in Jean after all her talks with her about them being girl bosses together and like running their own business. (sighs) Allah yearned for financial security again and felt that this was her only option. She would later tell a lawyer... To my great shame, I let her partially influence me again by the display of marvelous plans. Alla was not able to raise $25,000, and that was a good thing. She never gave Jean any more money. In fact, Alla only ever received $500 from Jean Adams before she disappeared from Alla's life forever. Oh, my God. It was later discovered that Jean and her husband had swindled countless others in their real estate scams. Oh. This was like a con her and her husband ran. Before getting to Allah, they had conned several people in the Midwest, but their most profitable con was Allah. Yeah. They really took advantage of her. Allah spent what little money she did have left to hire a private investigator to find Jean and her husband, but unfortunately they couldn't locate them. Hmm. The following year in 1928, Ala managed to sell the Garden of Ala back to its original owner. But with the debts she incurred with the remodeling and operating of the hotel, it was hardly a financial windfall. With the debts paid off, all that remained for Ala from the sale was (gasps) $7,500 for this huge property. Alla went back to New York, moving into an apartment in Greenwich Village, and joined the Civic Repertory Theater, which was a company founded by Alla's former lover, Eva Gallienne. Among the company's apprentices at the theater was 21-year-old actress Glesha Marshall. Glesha, who had long been a fan of Alla's, asked her if she would run an errand for her. She did, and then Alla invited her to dinner. But their first evening together was hardly romantic upon entering Ala's apartment. Ala passed out, and then when she came to, she woke up sobbing. She was just in so much despair about the stage the state of her life at this point. She'd lost her home, she wasn't making movies anymore, right she had gotten conned out of all this money well she had she was so rich, yes, and successful, and now she was
1: doing plays again and the village, like, where she started almost. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: But Ala and Glesha soon fell in love and entered into a long-term relationship with each other. The Cherry Orchard with Eva and Ala opened on Broadway in October of 1928 to rave reviews and was a great success, with sold-out shows for the duration of the season. That Christmas, Ala gifted Eva a Scaparelli hat with a card that read, I take my hat off to you. (laughs) In another note written by Allah to Eva a few weeks later, Allah proclaimed, Eva, you have given me life and happiness. By the end of 1928, Alla and her sister Nina would get into a fight that they would never really recover from. She's still around? (laughs) She's still around. Nina is still living at Alla's little farmhouse right? in a cottage on the farmhouse property in New York. (laughs) With Val. With Val Luton. Well, I think Val's might be married at this point. Okay. But like with the daughter. Yeah. With her daughter. So she's still in her life, but they're not... They've always had a tense relationship. So
1: Alla still has this farmhouse.
0: She still has this farmhouse at this point. So, but Nina's living there. Yeah. So she can't sell it. Uh, <laughs> so they get into this huge fight. This is how it went down. Upon meeting Glesha for the first time, Nina and her daughter Lucy were very rude to her, <gasps> which set Ala off. She's like, don't be rude to my girlfriend. Yeah. After some back and forth between them, Alla wrote Nina a letter in January stating, I don't believe in family anymore. I think one should build one's family around of people that are in, in kin in spirits and tastes. She went on reminding Nina that she had given her a place to live and paid for her children's education. Yeah. That spring, Ala was offered to do a screen test in her first talkie for a foreign language picture with Columbia. But unfortunately, this film never happened. Oh. Alla did make a little money around this time doing print ads for Lux Toilet Soap and Lucky Strikes. Nice. The ads for these are great. Yeah. I will post them. By this time, both Ala and Glesha left the civic rep theater. Unfortunately for Allah and many others, she lost around half her money in the stock market crash that October. Right. Alla continued to perform in various plays and go on tour, with Glesha eventually becoming Alla's manager, and negotiating her pay to $3,500 a week. Alla's latest play, Morning Becomes Electra, closed in April of 1932 after a 150-performance run. Alla wrote a letter to Glesha about not wanting to stay at her farm in New York for the summer. Nina and her kids were still living in that cottage on the property. The letter to to Glesha read, I've got to get out, Duty. <laughs> that was her nickname. Duty. That was her nickname. Would you ever? Okay. The nickname that Allah had for Glesha was Duty D O O D I E. And the reason it was Duty <laughs> is because both of them saw this movie. It was like a love story and the guy and the guy in the movie said to to the woman, like in a romantic scene, You are my sacred duty. But they were laughing because the way he pronounced it was like duty. Instead of dude, duty duty. They're, duty. So yeah. They thought he pronounced it like duty. I see. So, so it's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. Yeah. So they called each other sacred duty for a while <laughs> <laughs> and then just shortened it duty. That's funny. That's cute. Um so she says I've got to get out duty. I want a home and not an annex with people next door who hate my living there. I need peace of mind and with neurotic, oversensitive and temperamental relatives on the side of the wall, such a thing is impossible. I cannot stay there, not this summer duty. The following year, RKO made Alla an offer for a two-picture deal contingent on a screen and voice test. So they're like, if you have a good screen test and voice test, because these are talkies now, we'll give you two pictures. Right. But when Alla saw the footage, she lamented in her diary: "Terrible photo- photography. Sound excellent. Must never try to look conventionally beautiful." I am depressed. Aw. So she hated the way she looked. It's like a, when you get a bad picture. <laughs> we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. Alla also didn't hear back from RKO after that. Aww. So that only confirmed her insecurities. Yeah. In 1935, shortly after the opening of Alla's latest play, which was called The Simpleton, she received word that her mother had died. Alla had learned from her cousin that her mother had taken on a series of young men as her lovers and was participating in all-night orgies. Wow! Alla was very impressed by this, and so she wrote in her diary, All this at 80. My hat's off to her. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I got it from. That's right. Real chip off the old block. (laughs) We were never close, but we had a
1: lot in common.
0: (laughs) By this time, Alla and Glesha were on a break. Glesha had traveled to Cambridge to see family, which is where she was when she received a letter from Alla stating that she had met a young playwright and she was in love with him. Glesha was heartbroken, and she wrote... I remember walking to a cafe in Cambridge and rereading the long letter as tears poured down my cheeks. But all his feelings toward this new man that she was dating seemed to have cooled off after she read his latest play. And she thought it was awful. And she immediately was not attracted to him anymore. She's like, I need my sacred duty back. <laughs> <laughs> the play was about Gauguin... And Alla wrote in her diary that the character was, quote, absolutely sexless in spite of all his sexy talk. And she also said that the scene that portrayed Van Gogh cutting his ear off was unintentionally hilarious, and that oh. only someone who didn't have a sense of humor could write something that bad. Yeah. After performing a run of the play Ghosts, Alla came down with tonsillitis and was taken to the hospital. Glasha showed up to her bedside to comfort her. Alla's last affair before settling down with Glesha would be with actress Ona Munson, who starred alongside Alla in the next run of Ghosts. After a two-month tour of the show, it opened again on Broadway in December of 1935, with Alla as as both the star and the director. Alla is met with thunderous applause and cheers from audiences and stellar reviews. Ghosts had a very long run on tour, sending Alla across the country once again. After a performance at the Biltmore in Los Angeles, Alla received a box of flowers from one admirer. The card was signed, Joan Crawford. (gasps) Alla sees this card and she goes, but I don't even know her. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Who's that? (laughs) Among the many stars who visited Alla in her dressing room was Marlena Dietrich, who straddled a chair, looked into Alla's eyes, and said, take off your wig. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Can't you believe that, though? Yes. I mean, she's so horny. She's so horny. And Alla was like, like even even Alla. Alla said she never, ever took her hair or makeup off in front of anyone, but that, quote, I was so mesmerized looking into those beautiful eyes that I took my wig off. And not, that's not the only thing. That's, that's not <laughs> the only thing. I, that's a hot moment. Yeah. That's a very hot moment. That fall, at the age of 57, Allah starred in a revival of Hedda Gabler, <gasps> reprising the role that she had played so long ago. in her 100 early, years ago. In her early 20s. Her onstage husband in the play was a 26-year-old actor. Hmm. I love that for her. But that's her life. That's her (laughs) life. She is with younger people. Always. Yeah. Hedda Gabler and Ghosts do an eight-week tour, with each show performing on alternating nights. But the following spring, Alla discovered a lump in her armpit. After a biopsy, it was confirmed to be a cancerous tumor, and Alla had to have a mastectomy on her right breast. This sent her into a depression, and to make matters worse, it was a painful recovery. The doctor advised her not to work for the next year. That fall, Alla returned to Los Angeles and stayed in the Bel Air home of Morris Stoloff, who was the musical director for Columbia Pictures. Ola was just thrilled to be back in California again. Glesha also returned to L.A., and her and Ola would rent a home in Westwood, that they would share with Glesha's mother when she visited. But Alla didn't like living with Glesha's mom. And they, she's like, I, I, I can't. And, yeah. she, and she realized there was this one afternoon in January where Alla went to the Garden of Alla hotel just to have lunch. And she's like, this is where I belong. Yeah. So Alla and Glesha end up moving into Villa 24 at the Garden of Alla in September of 1938. Soon after, Alla's desire to perform had returned, and the following year she found herself back in New York and in rehearsals for the play The Mother. An 18-year-old Montgomery Clift played her son. Although Alla's performance is well-received, the play only does four shows, marking the last time she ever performed on a Broadway stage. Alla was then cast in the 1940 movie Escape, where she played a German actress who was being held in a concentration camp. The MGM film is Ala's first ever role in a talkie. A year later, she would play Tyrone Power's mother in 1941's Blood and Sand. Meanwhile, Ala and Glesha had been trying to sell the New York farmhouse for about a year, and they finally got an offer. They sold it for like $22,000. Mm-hmm. The following year, Frank Sinatra moved in next door to Allah and Glesha in the garden of Allah. Oh. He moved in. Allah and Glesha would listen to him practice for hours. Allah thought it was kind of annoying, but she was like, he is, does have a very good work ethic. He's, yeah. He loves to practice. Gotta give him credit for that. That's what she can. <laughs> Shut she, the fuck up, though. <laughs> but she did, she did think he was annoying. She did say about him, what a sexy voice. But shut up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. In 1944, Alla would have roles in three more movies. In Our Time, The Bridge of San San Luis Rey, and Since You Went Away. For the last few years, she had been working on an autobiography, but by this time, she had been suffering from dizzy spells and was finding it increasingly difficult to write. Alla made a will and made Glesha the sole executor. In June of 1945, Alla suffered a heart attack after dinner with Glesha. She was taken to the hospital where she recovered. But she then suffered a series of new heart attacks over the next two weeks. Her nephew, Val Luton came to visit her in the hospital on July 12th. The following morning, Alla passed away. Glesha Marshall was by her side. So she just had, she just like gave out. Yeah. She just had a series of heart attacks and the last one was fatal. Oh my God. I hope you liked our All in Azimova series. Since we didn't get too much into the Garden of Allah Hotel, we will be doing a separate episode about that in, sometime soon in the future, probably in December. Right. The, mod- the more modern t-
1: going-ons on, going there.
0: What happened to the hotel after... Alla past and and even the goings on at the hotel when she was living there just right. as a resident in the villa. Yeah. Great. So we will post some pictures. There's some really amazing pictures of Alla from these silent movies that she did. Yeah. And yeah, I hope you like the episodes. Thank you guys. Thank you all so much. Bye. 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 only from rustolium